Hi, my name is Varun Chakshi and this is the Simur Podcast. Today, we have a mini-episode on proper sewage disposal procedures around us in Baltimore. Clean water is arguably the most basic need. For that, we need to keep the water body source around us clean and safe. We need to enact strict regulations and ensure that the untreated sewage is not disposed of into the Chesapeake Bay. However, enacting strict regulations is not enough. Someone needs to make sure that they are followed. This is where local watchdog groups play an important role. In this episode, my colleague and the producer Christopher Ann interviewed Alice Bopeda from the local watchdog group Blue Water Baltimore about a violation incident that happened recently in the Patapsco River system. She speaks to us about why such measures are important and what can be their effects on our water systems. Today we are joined with Alice Volpita from Blue Water Baltimore to talk about their recent press release on the water quality concerns in the nearby Patapsco and Back River. It also seems like there has been a lot of news and press release recently from different organizations that are all keeping their eyes on the water quality in the Chesapeake Bay area. Well, we're really happy to have you here today, Alice. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I'm, I'm delighted to be here today. I think it would be really great if you can talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, what is Blue Water Baltimore as an organization um, and how this organization came to discover this issue with water quality uh, in, in the system. So my name is Alice Volpita. I'm the Baltimore Harbor Waterkeeper here at Blue Water Baltimore. And Blue Water Baltimore's mission is really to protect and restore our local waterways. Um, so we are a holistic organization. We approach the issue of water quality from many different angles. Um, so we have a native plant nursery. We do eco-literacy trainings. Um, and we also have advocacy initiatives that we work on. So the way that we identified the problems at the Patapsco Wastewater Treatment Plant was through one of our programs that we do, um, our routine ambient monitoring, um, so our water quality monitoring program out in the Patapsco River. So as part of a, a being a water quality organization, we like to keep track of baseline water health throughout all of Baltimore's waterways so that we can figure out how healthy or sick our local waterways are but then also to pick up on deviations from baseline water quality metrics. And so uh, we have a, a boat that we take out onto the Patapsco River to collect water samples at our, our stations throughout the Patapsco. We have 49 monitoring stations all the way from the headwaters of the Jones Falls down to the mouth of the Patapsco at Bodkin Creek. So one of those monitoring stations is strategically located right on top of the effluent pipe that's coming out of Patapsco wastewater treatment plant. And a lot of people don't really understand the way that a treatment plant works, but really it's taking sewage, uh, residential, industrial, all different types of sewage, treating it to the point where it's acceptable just to discharge it back out into the river. And so there's a big pipe leading from the facility out into the middle of the Patapsco, and it just discharges treated sewage. Um, and at that point, it's no longer considered sewage. It's just it's treated um, effluent water. And so we have a monitoring station right there where we can detect any deviations from the norm. So we were seeing really high bacteria readings as soon as we started taking samples for the season back in April 2021. 
Um, you know, one bad bacteria reading that could be caused by a lot of different things outside of a wastewater treatment plant. It's more concerning because typically we see really good levels outside the treatment plant because it's treated sewage. Um, but as soon as we got that second high bacteria reading in May of 2021, we knew that something was probably going wrong inside the plant, something that we couldn't see. And so we alerted Maryland Department of the Environment immediately to our concerns. And they actually sent an inspector out the next day to that facility to do a routine inspection to see if they could find any causes for those high bacteria readings. So Maryland Department of the Environment sent out their inspector um, and they were able to document severe violations, significant violations at the treatment plant, including uh, significant maintenance and operations deficiencies. Based on that inspection, they sent an inspector over to the Back River Wastewater Treatment Plant as well, which is the largest wastewater treatment plant facility in the state of Maryland. And they, they found severe uh, operational and maintenance deficiencies at that plant as well. And so that is what really led us to issuing the press release that we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Blue Water Baltimore is a waterkeeper organization. We're a watchdog organization, and we needed to make sure that the public knew about these violations and what was happening, because ultimately we're not just talking about, you know, effluent. We're talking about partially untreated sewage that's discharging pollution into our local waterways, making them unsafe for fishing, boating and wading all the things that people have a right to do. I think it's really awesome that your organization does this work and I can't imagine how important this work is. Um, and without this organization like this or uh, throughout the world uh, and throughout the USA, it would be, you know, argue, arguably very scary and dangerous for the environment and also for the people as well. I'm kind of shocked by a few things that you just said. One is that without your, uh, your organization's work or people in your organization's work, the state would not have discovered this violation in their plants, right? So I'm not really sure how often their inspection schedule is like, um, but it seems like for at least two months, they did not uh, catch this issue, which seems to be a very, very a big problem and, a, and, and an issue that seems like it must be addressed. To me, that is very hard to imagine um, how, you know, uh, people like us or people like you really have to go out there and then look for violations like this and then contact the state, which, you know, gratefully they went the, the, the day after, but it still was a long process rather than the state really taking actions uh, on themselves. So is this usually how it goes? Um, or was this kind of an exception on the, uh, maybe the state was having some problems with their um, workers because of COVID? Can you talk a little bit about that? Like if this is a historical issue or if this is something that's been becoming more severe in the recent days? Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. There. <laughs> um, the way that Baltimore City reports the effluent coming out of each of these wastewater treatment plants is through something called discharge monitoring reports. And so the way that the permitting process works is that um, an individual facility needs to track their own water quality of the effluent that's leaving that facility. If they don't report the quality of water that's leaving their facility, that's considered um, a significant non-compliance. So that's as bad as blowing through a limitation um, because this system is really built upon self-reporting and kind of, you might call it the honor system, um, <laughs> but this, these discharge monitoring reports are a matter of public record. And so that's part of the way that we were able to identify that there were some serious problems happening at these facilities because we, as the public, can see that data. Now, Maryland Department of the Environment can also see that data. And so the question here is, 
what was happening over the course of the past few years. Um, this is not the first inspection that has occurred that has shown some problems at these treatment plants. So back in 2016, the Patapsco wastewater plant was brought under an administrative consent order to solve some serious problems with the, the fog mitigation uh, pieces of the operations, which means the fats, oils, and grease. Basically, there's parts of the Patapsco plant that are currently not operational because they're really caked with fats, oils, and grease, um, and they, they can't move properly. And so that is resulting in um, partially untreated, that's potentially resulting in partially untreated sewage being discharged. We're not exactly sure the, the reasoning behind that. So ultimately, these are things that the state has the ability to see all of this data um, and that remains one of our questions is, you know, why, why wasn't anybody watching when we knew that there was problems previously? Now, Maryland Department of the Environment has come out and said that this facility was on their radar and that they were gearing up to do an investigation and that this is something that they've been tracking. And so ultimately, Blue Water Baltimore's role is really to hold regulators' feet to the fire when it comes to this sort of thing, because we need to make sure that the public is also aware of all of these ongoing issues. At the end of the day, this is taxpayer money we're talking about, and this is water quality, which belongs to everybody. So everybody deserves to know what's happening. No, I think that's a really great point. And, and you know, I can imagine so many problems that can come about when treated affluent water, but not properly treated affluent water flows into the water system, right? That can really affect the watershed here in the Baltimore Inner Harbor. It can, you know, affect Chesapeake Bay Area. Um, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the water also goes into the animals, uh, which people may consume and really damage the ecosystem. So um, I think there's really a big problem that has been caused by the state not being able to take action, perhaps at, a, at the right time, uh, to really hold these uh, wastewater plants uh, accountable. Yeah, there's, a, there's been a lot of damage done to our ecological systems um, already from the pollution that's being discharged. And what we really need to do is not only stop the pollution from flowing, but also restore local waterways. Ultimately, everybody thinks of sewage as carrying bacteria, right? And rightfully so, because that's one of the big dangers to public health when it comes mm -hmm. to sewage overflows. It's all about the bacteria and the pathogens it's being carried. But partially untreated sewage is also discharging massive amounts of nutrients, nitrogen and phosphorus mm -hmm. into our local waterways. And so those nutrients are feeding the algae blooms that are causing terrible smells and sites down in the inner harbor. But they also cause fish kills when those algae blooms start to die off and all of the oxygen gets sucked out of the water from the decomposing bacteria. It's a long process, um, but ultimately these wastewater treatment plants are contributing pollution that's causing fish kills. It's making it unsafe for people to go fishing because there's high bacteria levels. There's a lot of problems here, and it's not just a Baltimore problem. These are the two biggest wastewater treatment plants in the state of Maryland, and that means that the discharges from these facilities have the ability to derail the interjurisdictional agreement that we have, the Chesapeake Bay TMDL or pollution diet. And so that regulatory framework, that TMDL pollution diet, total maximum daily load, um, that only really works if all of the key players are playing their part. And it only really works if each state has a really good handle on the facilities that are discharging pollution into local waterways. Ultimately, the Chesapeake Bay doesn't really know the difference between these uh, state lines, right? So we each have to play our part. We have to hold each other accountable 
to keeping pollution in check. Otherwise, we're never going to have restored local waterways, and we're definitely not going to have a restored Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And on that note, I'm sure your organization, as you mentioned, has a lot of uh, advocacy program, but also work to restore the uh, local waterways. If there's people like me or some of our listeners who may be really interested in, in participating, is there something we can do, like, for example, to call our representatives to really talk about this uh, wastewater plant system? Or are there like volunteer activities, maybe like train planting or picking up garbage um, at some of these locations around Baltimore? Like, is this something uh, that we can look for through your organization? Yeah. So ultimately, um, it is up to each individual municipality to, to have a handle on these big facilities because these are taxpayer resources that are being expended. And it's it's public goods that are at stake here, the local waterways. I would say that when it comes to advocacy initiatives, you should keep an eye out for future opportunities. Um, you can sign up for Blue Water Baltimore's newsletter. We'll be having some sign-on opportunities to send letters to individuals calling for strong action on these issues. We need to keep this issue top of mind um, for our elected officials to let them know that we care about it. I would also say that on a very individual level, some of these issues at the treatment plants, like I said, pieces of machinery being caked with fats, oils, and grease. On a very personal level, each individual can reduce their personal uh, chance of experiencing a sewage backup into their homes by not pouring fats, oils, and grease into their drain and by not flushing anything other than toilet paper. So that is a that's a very like personal individual action that each person can take. When you magnify that across an entire city, county, sewer shed, that really does have an impact on taking care of our pipes. But at the end of the day, I also don't want to put this issue on individuals. This is an issue that we really just need strong regulation on, um, and we need to hold people's feet to the fire when it comes to to holding people accountable. Great. Um, I think that was a really great point on what we can do, but um, I think a lot of people would also agree that this is a state's job and the local uh, municipality's job to really crack down on these plants and make sure that the water that um, we might play in, the water that we might you know, come across the very easily, um, is actually safe for us uh, to do that. Thank you so much uh, for coming to talk to us. I think it was a really great conversation um, about the water quality uh, issues in Baltimore and you know, in Maryland. Yeah, we're really excited um, to really hear uh, what, what your organization will be doing uh, in the future as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. From this insightful interview, we learned that the watchdog groups like Blue Water Baltimore play a pivotal role in flagging government violations and maintaining checks and balances. They can act as a safety net in alarming the responsible government bodies to take timely actions. We also learned that the treated effluents released into the Patapsco River from the wastewater treatment plant had abnormally high bacterial concentrations earlier this year. High bacterial disposal could lead to long-lasting impact on the water ecosystem. One of the effects would be a foul-smelling inner harbor and devastating loss of flora and fauna. Padasco River system is part of the larger ecosystem of the Chesapeake Bay, and hence our local bodies have responsibility to multiple states. 
However possible, we need to urge our elected officials and government bodies to be on their toes regarding monitoring the water quality. Besides this, we need to be cognizant of our small duties to consciously be aware about proper house water disposal. For example, flushing down diapers or fatty waste is not a good idea. As the need for tackling climate change becomes ever more urgent, we need to control the water quality along with the air and soil quality. Starting with local actions would go a long way in this battle against climate change. Thank you for listening. Please see the show notes for the links and resources related to today's topic. If you enjoyed this episode of the Simore podcast, please leave us a review and follow us on social media for more content. We're on Twitter at Simore P, that's Simore and the letter P, on Instagram at Simore underscore podcast, and on Facebook at Simore Podcast. That's one word, Simore Podcast. If you have a question you want us to answer, please email us at simore.podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're feeling adventurous, call us at 443-776-1282 and leave a voice message. Until next time, Baltimore.